Welcome to part five, the last episode in this mini series, where you're going to learn how to overcome the obstacle that actually prevents you from resolving your ambivalence. So you can finally move through that change process and get on with your life. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a soberish recovery coach, helping high achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. In part three, I told you there are six stages in the change process, and we covered pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, and action. The last two stages are maintenance and termination. And if you ask me, termination is a horrible word choice. If they would have put me in charge, we'd be calling it transformation. But the termination phase is when the change has fully integrated as part of your identity. It's your new default subconscious state. Your ambivalence about the change has totally been resolved. Think of it like this. If the change you are trying to make is to speak a new language, The termination phase would be when you're thinking and dreaming in that language. And the reason it's important to acknowledge that there is a termination phase is because when you're struggling with alcohol use disorder, you really don't believe it's possible that it's ever going to go away. And addressing that belief is critical. And so before we continue, let me pause and let you know that if you want a big picture overview of my accelerated recovery process and the ingredients you'll need to quickly move through the phases of change so that you can think and dream in a whole new reality because alcohol has simply lost its appeal. I'm doing a free live training this week on November 14th, Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. My accelerated recovery process is a holistic approach using evidence-based strategies in self-directed neuroplasticity, nervous system regulation, and growth mindset that I have fine-tuned over thousands of coaching hours with my clients. So get in the show notes and click the link to register and join me on Thursday for a brain-bending, heart-opening look at how to cure alcohol use disorder so that you can start living the life of your dreams. And if you're listening to this at some point in the future, click the link anyway, because if I don't have another live date on the calendar, you can just get the replay. So one of the strategies that I dive into in that training is how to use mental maps to resolve your emotions. What you need to understand is, even though ambivalence sounds like a jumble of conflicting thoughts in your head, it's actually an emotion. It's an emotion. It's a feeling that feels like a blend of longing and confusion and uncertainty and regret. And one of the tools that I teach for resolving emotional discomfort, which includes ambivalence, is to place the undesired emotion and the desired emotion on a simple map and to think of them as point A and point B. 
and to see these two points not as a before and after, but as emotional states that you actually move in and out of. Point A is just your default state. The goal is to reset your default so that point B becomes the new normal. So today we'll set point A as ambivalence about changing the way you drink and point B as confidence that you have become a person for whom over drinking simply has no appeal. Wedge of Lime. So ambivalence is what moves you out of the pre-contemplation phase of change, the first phase, where you are just living in the problem without really having an awareness that it's a problem. Pre-contemplation is the before. When your inherited beliefs and childish conclusions about alcohol are driving your behavior and your worldview when it comes to alcohol is fixed. You think you know everything there is to know, probably consider yourself an expert or a professional if you're anything like I am, and you just think this is the way it is. But the more you drink, the more your experiences don't match your expectations, or they're leading to results that are confusing and painful. And so your brain sees this as a problem and wants to make sense of the discrepancies. But with alcohol use disorder, Instead of attributing the source of your pain to the side effects of a drug, you start blaming yourself and your behavior because you've linked alcohol to happiness and you think that drinking is necessary. But the more you drink, the less happy you feel because alcohol is a mood-altering, dopamine-robbing, sleep-stealing, cortisol-spiking, depressant drug that creates a negative reinforcement cycle, which just means the more you drink, the more you need to drink, and also the worse you feel. So if there are opposing teams in this story, you've sided with team alcohol and abandoned your own body. The story you're telling yourself is that if you could just be a better drinker, these problems would go away. Instead of seeing alcohol as the problem, you see yourself as the problem. And the dominating belief here is that any course correction that needs to be done is simply a matter of you becoming a better drinker. Because in your mind, drinking equals happiness. But the more you operate according to these rules, the harder life gets. And this causes shame and confusion and creates a sense of other, like something is wrong with you. Everybody else gets something that you're not figuring out. And so the change process has begun because point A sucks. Unfortunately, you are unaware of how limited your worldview has become. You are seriously under the impression that there are only two types of people in the world drinkers and non-drinkers. But this perception is a projection of your own belief systems. And just because you believe in the magical godlike powers of alcohol doesn't mean everybody else does. You've adopted the drinker identity as a religion and you divide the world into believers and non-believers. People who follow the rules get to stay at the bar and people who ignore the rules have to go to AA. And people who don't drink are just weird. And you have no idea what those guys actually do for fun. But the pain you're in is demanding your attention. And so you're forced to enter the contemplation and preparation and action stages of change. I'm grouping those three together because change isn't linear. You're going to move back and forth. Why? 
Because the only way to succeed is to learn from failure, resilience is not a product of all green lights, sunny days, and perfect performance. But the only way to move through those three phases of change without getting stuck is to resolve your ambivalence, which requires you to make sense of why you still want to drink, even though you know it's the lowest hanging fruit you can grab. It's the one thing you could change that would trigger a domino effect of good things in your life. But therein lies the problem. Ambivalence is triggered by subconscious beliefs that are conflicting with your conscious intentions, which is why trying to control your behavior with the 5 to 10% of your awareness that is actually conscious, instead of changing the beliefs that are causing the behavior, is only going to lead to short-term wins and long-term frustration and a perpetual roundabout in the middle phases of change. Consciously, this is a no-brainer which actually complicates the change process. Because before you can change the way you feel about alcohol and move from point A to point B, which is emotional freedom, no more attachments to alcohol, you're gonna first have to change your relationship with the ambivalence itself. You can't resolve the ambivalence as long as you're judging yourself for having it. You can't resolve it until you accept it as a necessary, normal, and helpful part of the change process. Arguing with yourself about how you think you should feel is exactly what's keeping you stuck. You can't change something until after you stop arguing that it should exist. So let me be clear on what resistance to ambivalence actually sounds like in your head. You think thoughts like, I'm better than this. I should be over this by now. I hate myself. I'm stupid, weak, and hopeless. If people found out the truth, I'd lose all their respect. I'm never going to change. I mean, those are the thoughts we're thinking, right? And those thoughts, that inner self-narrative is creating a ton of emotional inflammation, which means you're having a stress response in your nervous system. And when you're in a stress response, you end up acting like a chicken with your head cut off because you want to feel better as fast as possible. You want to escape the doom and gloom in your head. And that's what causes you to make mistakes like to tell yourself to just stop overreacting. This isn't actually that big of a deal. Everything's fine. Like quit making a thing of it. Or you tell yourself that it is such a big deal that you don't have the time or energy to deal with it right now. And so you just perpetually are making plans to start over on Monday or next month or after the holidays. Or you get resentful of people who seem to have their shit together or people that have tried to help you with your quote problem. And so you start blaming other people because you think it's their fault that you feel less than. Or you're overthinking it so much and spending so much time vacillating back and forth about what you're going to do and making plans and then rethinking the plans that you just feel depressed. And that causes you to isolate yourself and avoid activities that would make you feel good. Or you need to tell yourself it's time for tough love and you need to surrender to the idea that you have a drinking problem which then often gets you into a yo-yo diet approach to sobriety where you're on and off the wagon. And so you feel better about yourself when you're, quote, good, and then horrible and defeated when you fall short. 
And I want to make a distinction here. Of course, you're going to feel better when you drink less or not at all. And of course, you're going to feel bad when you have a legit hangover. But the real problem with yo-yo sobriety is the highs and the lows. You're either feeling that perfectionistic superiority or you're in a shame spiral. Like there's no in between. There's no room for steady progress. It's an all or nothing black or white way of thinking that prevents you from resolving ambivalence because you only allow yourself to feel one way or the other. But until you acknowledge that all of these feelings exist and learn how to allow for them without letting them control you, you're going to be stuck. So before you can dig into your beliefs about alcohol, you have to change your perspective on ambivalence. Ambivalence is not a sign that you can't change or that whatever you're doing isn't working. Ambivalence is actually a sign that you are making progress. You just have to shift your expectations. Change is a process, not a lightning strike event. When you tell yourself that things you've tried in the past didn't work because you ended up slipping back into old habits, you are leaving all of your learning on the table because you're more committed to perfection than to growth. Whatever you've done up until this moment is what got you here. There is no start and finish line except for birth and death. Allowing yourself to try things, let them work for a while until they don't work anymore, and then giving yourself full permission to move in another direction is how you be human. Like, that's normal. That's how it's supposed to work. Continuing to think that you're making permanent decisions and commitments to be one certain way with one certain belief system for the rest of your life is like trying to pick one pair of shoes that you're going to wear every day for the rest of your life. Like that's such an insult to the future versions of yourself. What if you have always been doing the best that you can and that you can trust yourself to learn from your mistakes and keep growing and evolving and allow your mind to change in the process? For me, freedom is being able to tolerate the discomfort of the uncertainty of not knowing how everything's going to work out. And instead, putting my faith in my own ability to figure it out as I go. Once I learned that my feelings are not telling me the truth with a capital T, they're just telling me what I believe inside and inviting me to fact check those beliefs to make sure they're moving me in the right direction. Emotions aren't something we need to be afraid of. Emotions are states of consciousness that we move in and out of. Every emotional state that we have is only part of our identity, who we are. Now, our dominant emotional states, where we spend the most time, become our personality, but you are not limited or defined by what you think or feel in any given moment. And the super ninja power move is to train yourself to notice when you're having a feeling, notice when you're in an emotional response. Because your body is telling you something. Your body is alerting you to a set of conflicting beliefs. And so you want to be able to shift out of the story in your head and into the sensations in your body so you can figure it out and resolve it. Because you can't change the story in your head as long as your nervous system is in a state of stress. This is science. Story follows state. The story in your head follows the state of your nervous system. And when you're in a state of stress, 
The biology of stress means you are negative thinking, worst case scenario, you have a myopic point of view, and that all is driving you to seek instant gratification. But what we don't understand, and the first thing you need to learn, is that stress comes from the inside, not the outside. It's a product of your thoughts, the story you're telling yourself, which is why you can feel calm when there are a thousand things going on. And you can have a panic attack when you're sitting on the couch doing nothing. So you have to learn to attribute the way you feel to the story in your head, not the world around you. But that's the big mistake we make. We put the cart before the horse because we think that the only way to feel better is to change the outside world to match the story in our head. And so around and around and around we go in crazy town. What you need to understand is that you get right in your body first and then you fix the story in your head so that you can confidently and effectively interact with the outside world to get what you want. That's how we're gonna resolve ambivalence. You just have to adopt the policy to avoid thinking and acting when you are in a state of stress which is why beating yourself up about the fact that you're still ambivalent about drinking is holding you back. You can't operate your life and move forward when you're intoxicated by your own emotions. So when it comes to ambivalence, I want you to start by noticing when you're experiencing ambivalence, like notice that in your body as an emotional experience. And then you can use self-talk to distance yourself from that emotion. So when you hear the words in your head like, I can't do this, or I'm not even sure if I wanna do that, use the language in your brain to change that, to distance yourself with, I'm just in the emotional state that feels like I can't or I don't want to do this. And identify this as point A and identify point B as an emotional state that feels like I want to do this. I am doing this. And then the only problem that exists in the present moment is how do I get back to feeling that way? Here's the radical reframe that you need to understand. The person who you want to be already exists. The version of you who has no desire to drink is who is pulling you forward. That version of you is an emotional state and her beliefs are getting stronger and stronger about the desire to stop over drinking. And that is why your ambivalence to keep drinking feels so much more intense. The version of you who has no desire to drink is one of many of your emotional states. She just feels unfamiliar. You just don't know how to stay in that emotional state. So part of your work is you're going to have to build it out and practice living in it. In the same way, you naturally visualize yourself having fun when you're drinking. You know, you apply that romantic Hollywood filter when you're thinking about sitting outside with a cocktail or going on the cruise or getting together with friends or being with your partner or being in a bubble bath with a glass of Chardonnay. You're putting a filter over the reality of alcohol. And you must spend the time creating the same level of invitation for the vision of the the version of you who has no desire to drink. You have to put yourself in all of those same situations and imagine yourself not wanting to drink. 
This is the work you must do. The reason it's so hard to change your mind about alcohol is because your new reality, the version of you who loves sobriety, is a neophyte. She needs to be protected and nurtured and encouraged and acknowledged. Like stop saying she doesn't exist. What you pay attention to grows and what you neglect dies. So start paying attention to her. Instead of running around with like a chicken with your head cut off, feeling stressed and beating yourself up and thinking the same thoughts over and over, pull out, look at the big picture, set aside some time every day to write and dream this character into existence. Who is she? What does she value? What is her purpose? What brings her out? What are her daily habits? How does it feel to be her? What thoughts does she think in her head? How does she respond and think about various situations? Why do you want to be her? And most importantly, what does she need? Because it's your job to meet her needs. This is the work you really must do. It is important to resolve your ambivalence about drinking and your stupid beliefs about why it's sexy and fun and sophisticated and why being sober sucks. But the real progress you're going to make is to create the version of you who no longer wants to drink. She already exists. And as my free gift to you for listening to this mini series, I know it's over an hour, probably an hour and 20 at this point. I have created a 10 page workbook on not only resolving ambivalence, but also resolving your resistance to ambivalence and then exercises that will help you imagine the version of yourself that you want to be into existence. I've created this workbook as I was making these episodes and also working through the topic of ambivalence with my clients. They've helped me create this workbook. So it is highly valuable and it is my gift to you for free for making it through to the end of these episodes. So get in the show notes. There'll be a link that takes you to the freebie page of my website which is recoverwithcolleen.com forward slash freebies. And just look for the module called Resolving Ambivalence and then download the PDF. Before I go, I just want to thank those of you that are listening in real time once again for participating in the launch of this new show, It's Not About the Alcohol. If you're playing to win the prizes, you have until midnight on Thursday night to submit the five Easter eggs that have been placed in each episode, as well as a screenshot of your posted Apple review. And if you're an Android user and you can't get to iTunes, then you'll submit a screenshot of your Spotify rating for the show. If you registered for the Pod Squad, you will have received an email today with all of those instructions. But if you just landed here and you're like, yeah, I want to play, then there'll be a link in the show notes where you can sign up for the Pod Squad and that will auto-generate the email with the instructions. And I will see you next week. Join me for a fabulous interview with Mary Lou Rodriguez on how to reprogram your subconscious mind when it comes to generating wealth. So in the meantime, you do your homework on ambivalence and then get your butt back here next Tuesday to hear more about what comes next once you realize it's not about the alcohol.